0: Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're nearing the end of Marianne Williamson's excellent book, The Law of Divine Compensation. And if you'll remember, last week we talked about some of the things that stand in the way of us receiving our good, things that tend to, to close up our hearts so that it makes it actually hard for us to receive love, life, including money, that, that really the things that, that made us feel small and poor are the things that keep us small and poor. Well, this week we're moving ahead. We're kind of do, going to do the reverse in a way. And Marianne Marianne Williamson talks about it is the positive nature of our lives that likewise will tend to open our heart and create more good for us. And I'll start off with a, a short quote from her on this. She says, while the power of negativity is clear to most everyone, the power of vigorous positivity receives short shrift. Positivity is more than the absence of the negative, it is the presence, through thought, word, and action, of the positive possibilities of life. If we're interested in creating everyday miracles, in invoking the most powerful creative manifestations, we must proactively be positive. And she goes on to talk about this idea of, uh, of a positive attitude in three different areas of our lives. And so I'm going to follow along with that idea. But if we're going to talk about positive attitudes, uh, I have a, a little joke about attitudes. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, uh, at first I was reading through this and I went, wait a minute, this isn't even a joke. This actually is a quote from a U.S. senator that was made shortly after prohibition. So, so remember, you know, a long time ago, it was illegal to actually drink alcohol in the United States. And so the congressman, shortly after that law was repealed, uh, the congressman was apt to, uh, to explain his attitudes towards whiskey. And this is what he said. Well, if you mean the demon drink that poisons the mind, pollutes the body, desecrates family life, and inflames sinners... Well, then, of course, I'm against it. But if you mean the elixir of Christmas cheer, the shield against winter chill, the taxable potion that allows funds into public coffers to comfort orphans, well, then I'm for it. (laughs) And then he went on to say, this is my position, and I will not compromise. (laughs) And, And you know... I, I think that's just about the way it works in life, isn't it? It isn't so much what happens. It isn't so much what has occurred, or 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 how life prevents its, presents itself. It's what we think about it. It's the story that we tell. It's the attitude, if you will, that we have about what we see, uh, uh, about what's going on. Literally, the same thing can be presented to two different people, and they'll reach different conclusions. They'll have different ideas. Some people might see it as a negative thing. Some people might see it as a positive thing. Well, Marianne Williamson says the idea of positivity, the idea of seeing the world through a slight lens of the positive, she breaks it into three pieces. And first, she talks about being positive in our estimation of other people. And I want to start off by something that you're probably familiar with. Um, Gosh, it's... It's close to maybe 70 years ago, and of course they wouldn't be allowed to do this today, but back in the 40s, they did some psychological experiments with school children, and if you'll remember, they took some just completely average students, right, just completely average in terms of their grades, in terms of their uh, their scores on, on an IQ test, and as they entered, I think it was middle school. As they entered middle school, they went up to the teachers again at random and just said, "Now, this student, you're going to have to watch out for for her. She's a little slow. Uh, you, you know, her her grades are never what they could be." Um, just keep an eye out for her she's she 's really kind of a troublesome student and and just know it 's going to be a lot of extra work with her and They took someone else again completely at random again the students were were completely equal and and the teachers were good teachers and they told uh, they told the same teacher about this other uh, this other t- uh, student you know. She just always excels at everything. This, this student picks up things so quickly. You know, she's going to be one of those junior achievers someday. Uh, you know, expect good things for her and she won't let you down. Well, I don't have to tell you the results. They're well documented in a number of studies. The students that were believed to be poor students, in fact, started failing And the students who were told that they were good students started excelling and getting A's and B's, as you might expect. It was, if you will, it was the teacher's expectations that were fulfilled in the students. I want to scale this up to the whole U.S. right now. Because I think we tell pretty consistently negative stories about people and places and organizations and right. In fact, I, I picked the the little bit of a joke about Congress on per, on purpose, because what's our national attitude about Congress right now? <laughs> Right, We tend to think they're inefficient, uh, and, and that might be saying it nicely. <laughs> we, we, we tend to talk about them as though they're just in it for the money, that they can't ever come up with good decisions, that they're always uh, you know spending their time arguing and t- instead of, what if we're creating that? What if we have been told they're the bad students? What if it is our consciousness of expecting them to be less, expecting them to have trouble, expecting them to fight. See, I don't think this is limited perhaps to this one study. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I think that people will rise or sink to the level of our expectation. I I still remember when I was, uh, gosh, probably about seven or eight, and uh, my my mom started talking about me being old enough to pick up after myself and to have my room clean. And I think it was not too long uh, in this process that she decided I was messy, And it seemed like even though I did put forth some efforts to pick up my toys and my clothes and get the dirty clothes and the right hampers and all that kind of stuff, that I maybe wasn't all that good at it. But I will tell you, when she started reinforcing that I wasn't good at it, I didn't even try anymore. I rose, or in this case, sunk <laughs> to the level of her expectations. And for many, many years, it wasn't until I was living on my own in college I realized, wait a minute, I'm not a messy person, right? I was when I was so, sort of expected to be a messy person. But as soon as I was on my own and realized that ultimately, if I wanted things to look nice, I probably had to lift a finger to do something about it. I suddenly, as though by magic, became not a messy person. I still remember the first time my mom came to see my little apartment in Eugene, Oregon. And she was like, who's cleaning this place? (laughs) It was me. I want to suggest that the people that you maybe have the most trouble with in life maybe are under your influence. That maybe the reason you have trouble with them is because you expect to have trouble with them. Maybe those phone calls that you just dread making because you know they're going to be filled with sarcasm and trouble. Maybe those awkward exchanges you have at work where you know that meeting is just not going to go right. Maybe those awkwardnesses with other people and other institutions are because you're literally willing it. You're the teacher. You've been told this is a bad student. So be it. I want to share with you, um, hopefully, a fun little exercise. I would like you, in your mind, to think of a couple people, two people maybe that have had a big influence on your life. And I would like one of them to be a positive influence, maybe a role model, maybe a teacher that really empowered you, someone that made a a positive uh, and, and noticeable effect on your life. And I'd like the other one to be one of those people That's a little more awkward where the relationship where the impact was maybe one that would be considered negative a person in your life that represented trouble in some way. So you got the two people. I'd like you to close your eyes and just imagine them standing before you as though as though they were in a receiving line as though you're expecting them to walk by you. And you might think of this as them in line to go see a movie And the movie is the story of your life. They're participating in the story of your life. And so now within the inner space of your mind, I would like you to see these folks standing in that line and one by one apologize, forgive, or thank these folks. So the first person in the line, it may have been that positive change person, it may have been that negative change person, I'd like you within your own heart to either say thank you, to apologize to them, or to forgive them, whatever seems appropriate, thank each person for this blessing that he or she gave you, even if the blessing was in the form of a hard lesson. So just thank them, bless them. And then allow the other person to come forward. And and once again, just look at them within your heart. Thank them, apologize to them, or forgive them as necessary, as you feel called. Recognize in both of these people that the divine is present that they are created from that same stuff of the universe, that same divine presence as you are. The second person now, bless them for that, that impact they had on you, even if the blessing was in the form of a hard lesson that was learned. When you've completed with the second person, you can now open your eyes. This is one of the practices in Marianne Williamson's book. This is one of the ways she says that we can open our hearts to begin viewing life the way God views it. To begin seeing that capability of other people beyond what they have done and who they really are. The idea here is our heart is probably closed up because of something that they have done. Uh, the, The folks that have had a negative impact on our life probably Um, That hardening of the heart, that anxiety that we feel around them or thinking about them, those are the things that have created probably because of their deeds, something that they have done some way they have shown up in our life. Marianne Williamson says if we want to free our heart, if we want to begin receiving more love, more life, even more money in our lives, we need to have that openness and expansiveness that comes with forgiveness, forgiveness that comes with being able to see both the, 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 the closest people to us and even the people that we feel a little awkward around. We need to see both of them with equanimity, that, that recognition that here too is God. Maybe making mistakes, even as we make mistakes. Maybe not always perfect, even as we are not perfect. But nonetheless, created from that same God stuff. The next thing that Marianne William talks about in terms of a positive outlook, a positive attitude, is simply being positive about life. And, you know, a couple months ago, we had a whole series on uh, positive thinking. And so I'm not going to spend as much time on this because that was the heart of that whole series of lectures. But I will give you one example. About 10 or 12 years ago, um, when I was single... I was so very glad to be single. (laughs) I'd had about three long-term relationships in a row. And I got to tell you, it was in many ways the first time since being in college. And even then I was like in in a dorm or in a quad. It was really the first time in my life when I was living completely by myself and I was cool with it. And I had the attitude that the universe was just going to have me as a single person. And if you would have asked me, I would have said, this is a big blessing. I'm not looking for a life partner anymore. I'm really viewing that the universe... Through its message of three really tough relationships, the message is, relationships are optional, (laughs) and I'm taking the option. (laughs) That was the way I was actually looking at the universe, in a way pessimistic, in a way, um, and in fact, around that time when I became a practitioner, I decided I wasn't going to do couples counseling, because I wasn't even sure that I believed in it. I wasn't sure, but what my counsel would be something like, well, we'll figure out how you two can. Split up, <laughs> right? Exactly the sort of couple counselor you wanted. But, but honestly, that was a little bit of my lens. That was the pessimism, if you will, with which I saw couples. And, as you can imagine, uh, I was looking for it, and so I saw evidence in it. Do you know what I mean? I noticed that all the, the couples out there that I happened to see were generally fighting. I, I looked back in the own history of my own life, and, and, and couples and those kinds of relationships seemed more on the negative side. Okay, make a, a a a long story slightly shorter um i got out i got asked out on a date and it was wonderful and do you know how the, sometimes those first dates feel so very sparkly like like suddenly you are transformed just by the, the presence of someone that's really listening to you and, and their eyes are lit up like, like, wow, this is a nice guy kind of thing. And it's as though you're seeing yourself through a, thre- a fresh pair of eyes and they like what they see and you just feel wonderful. I came home from that and I really had to think, was it him Or was it me? And what really changed my attitude, what almost overnight changed in me, was the realization that the love is here. That self-esteem is here. The ability to love and be loved isn't something that someone else turns on with a switch. It isn't something that where, where I have this big hole in my heart and someone else has a hopefully corresponding big hole in their heart and then we come together and it's two marvelous people. What I know, it's just two people with two holes, you know? It's like, it's like no better, right? So suddenly, almost overnight, what I realized was love was for me if I was for love, if I would change my view of life, if I would change my attitude, then the universe would change its. And I got to tell you, you, know, we're going on eight years together now, and, and my life is wonderful. And it was a pretty abrupt change. It was as though I suddenly put on a different pair of glasses and realized this is way more about me, way more how I view love, way more about me becoming love, me becoming the man that I would want someone to love. That was the epiphany. It wasn't the external circumstances changing at all. It was me changing. The last thing I want to talk about today, Marianne Williamson says, the place to start with positive thinking, with positive energy, no doubt is yourself. She says, whatever is necessary, you might think of it as positive self-esteem, you might think of it as self-love or self-care, but if you can't start with seeing yourself in a positive light, seeing yourself as lovable, as capable, as worthwhile, as having unlimited potential. If you can't do that for yourself, ultimately you will fail at this game of having the positive outlook. Because what will happen is you'll keep chipping away at yourself, and that's the underpinning of how all the rest of this works. Now, how do you do this? Um, After the first service, someone said, could you be more specific on exactly how I do this? And I had to laugh a bit uh, because it's true. I don't think that we necessarily view ourselves as perhaps changing our outlook about ourselves. But I would tell you it works just about changing your outlook about any other thing. When you notice yourself doing something, whether it's good or bad, how do you respond to it, right? We're back to the original story of the senator and the the whiskey, right? When you see yourself do something that's kind of silly and stupid, do you say whoopsie like we learned last week and just move on? Or do you really start nailing yourself to the cross? Do you really look through that pessimistic lens? You fool, you've done it again. Do you see? Well, the only way we change this is to first catch ourselves doing it. We catch ourselves doing it. And then we change the story. We go with the whoopsie, no big deal. I learned something here. Aren't I smart to notice what I just created And the next time around, oh, the story is going to be different. So that's what you might do if something goes wrong. When something goes well, you say, yes, that's so like me. I'm so proud of the way I handled that difficult conversation on the phone with someone. You know, it seems to me I'm getting better and better at handling difficult situations. It seems to me that I can navigate through life each day with a, a little more ease and more grace. It seems to me it didn't take as long to figure out my taxes this year. It seems to me that that whole dating thing isn't as scary as I once thought it was. Do you know what I mean? We see possibilities for good moving forward instead of narrowing the stream, instead of seeing the potential lack, we see the potential expansion of the vista. We see the possibilities in our own life and we claim them. It's nothing short of like introducing a positive prayer into your life, thought by thought by thought. And it's totally our choice, right? We can, we can take the tact of, of, of the world's going to heck in a handbasket, or we can take the tact that the world is going swimmingly well and I'm right in the middle of it, and if we learned anything from that study from the 1940s with the school children, is that the world will tend to respond the way we think it is. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we start telling ourselves that we're the excellent student? Why wouldn't we start telling ourselves that we're the ones who get it right almost all the time, that we're the ones that do things easily and we will rise to that occasion? I want to use an example. A friend of mine, Ann Cleary, is getting ready for Halloween. And I don't, I don't know if any of you are her Facebook friends, um, but she recently posted a couple selfies. So for Halloween, she's going as Clark Kent. Right? And the selfie is her in a business suit and the big Clark Kent glasses. And she already has the dark hair, but she had it kind of swooped back in that, you know, that frozen Clark Kent look. And I was kind of laughing about it. But you know what I realized was I think we're all showing up as Clark Kent. There's a super person in there. Do you know what I mean? Now, the things we like about Superman are what? X-ray vision, well that's not a lot different than us being able to sense through our intuition and really pay attention to what's going on. When we really pay attention to what's going on and listen to that inner voice, that that higher wisdom self, that's the X-ray vision, my friends. When we think about his superhuman strength, is there anything stronger than our intentions put into the creative power of the law itself? We would be leaping those tall buildings if we gave ourselves a chance. See, I think we've got the Clark Kent syndrome. And what's scary about it is it's not all that bad. Have you have you noticed in the Superman movies Clark Kent is getting handsomer and handsomer? He actually looks okay and he's kind of a nice guy to be around. He's kind of one of those people that gets things done around the office and uh, you know, maybe not the most exciting person, but actually kind of a good person. Do you see the danger in this? If we lock ourselves in as Clark Kent, right? reasonably good looking, reasonably good around the office, interacts with his coworkers with a, a nice amount of decency and goodness, right? You'd have him babysit for you. <laughs> Are you going to settle for that? I think it's time to put the cape on. Honestly, honestly, what I know about each person in this room is underneath that three piece suit, there is something magnificent. Magnificent. Capable of so much more than what we're doing right now. Absolutely capable of it. And I would even say, blessed with it, assured of it, capable of leaping the tall buildings, capable of the amazing strength and x ray vision. We all have that capability. But I often wonder, are we doing almost the reverse Clark Kent thing? He wore the disguise so that other people wouldn't know he's Superman. I think we wear the disguise so that we don't know we're Superman. I think we've convinced ourselves that the mild mannered, you know, newspaper reporter that's, you know, kind of bland. Is the best that there is, that is the best that we can do. And I simply say it isn't so. It is not so. Each person here has the super person inside. Each person here is that higher wisdom self. Each of us is part of that divine process that created all life on this planet. And God does not make mistakes and God does not make junk. You are simply amazing. And I challenge you, this is your homework, I challenge you as I challenged myself. Yesterday morning, I looked in the full-length mirror and did did a good appraisal of myself. And I said, are you Clark Kent or are you Superman? (laughs) And then I asked again. And then I asked again. And in the end, I finally had to admit to myself, I have some work to do to be what I already am. Now, I know that sounds silly. I know that sounds silly, but I have some work to live up to my potential and I'm game for it because I know that it won't be hard. Why would it be hard to be me? Right? Right? All I'm asking is that you throw away some of the trivialness of our lives and be what you were born to be. Born what's in you, uh, to be what's in your DNA, to, to be authentically, outrageously, wonderfully you. The Clark Kent is the disguise. It gets you by. But who just wants to get by? I'm going to close with a prayer today. But I would ask for your cooperation tomorrow in the mirror. Are you Clark Kent? Or are you super? Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There is that one thing that is everything. Now, I call a God, but whether it's called Allah or the divine feminine, whether it's called Brahman, The name matters as little as it is. What is true is that it is the vastness and the power of all creation, that which did the creating and the creation itself, God. And on this day, I claim in the fullness of my own being that I am part of that intelligence and perfection of God. As it is true for me, it is true for each person within the hearing of my voice. Each person here is also that super, that powerful, that lovely, that intelligent, that joyful, that peaceful. Each person here has the capability of truly being that God force in the world. That's what's beneath the Clark Kent suit. That is the truth of each one of us. And so on this day, for each person here, I claim the ability to look within and see that magnificence that is truly there on every day. And to do whatever is necessary, perhaps to challenge the the self, to maybe disrobe a little bit, to pull out the cape, to recognize the magnificence of what's there. I'm just grateful for this. I'm grateful for this heightened awareness of how perfect, how, how robust, how strong, how beautiful, how lovable everyone in this room is today. Truly, that, that blush of sweet love, that, that sense of strength and vigor, I feel it in this room. I'm grateful for it. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you're here.